Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a Triad production. I'm your host, Dr. Erin Elmore, and today I'm joined by Rob Feiner. Rob is a licensed clinical counselor and has a private practice in Torrance, California. He has 20 years of experience working with adolescents, athletes, and he coaches diverse individuals. In 2018, Rob became a father, and since then, he's combined his years of coaching and mental health with his experience fathering, so his practice focuses on including fathers-to-be and their journey to parenthood. Rob is actually a returning guest, and in our last conversation, Rob did a great job presenting the foundation to the challenges and rewards regarding the transition to fatherhood. I encourage all of our listeners to go back and check that out if you haven't heard it already. But today we're diving deeper. We're going to be interviewing Rob within the context of our clinician series. So we're going deeper into the therapist patient experience. What we want to do in this series is give our listeners an understanding of what occurs within the therapeutic process. So it's a glimpse behind the closed doors of therapy. Rob, welcome. We're happy to have you again. Oh, thanks for having me back. It's a pleasure to be here. Good, good. Well, I guess to start out, give us a brief understanding of the impact of the transition to being a new father. Why is this an area that you like to focus on? Sure thing. So little bit of background too is the reason I like to focus on this particular area with my own experience, as I was talking about previously, I was having such a difficult time with it and that's to put it lightly. And so I was scouring the internet for, hey, is there anything out there with dads? And this is going back only about three years ago and there was like next to nothing. And there wasn't a lot like normalizing what your experience was, like the wide array of emotions and thoughts you're going through. And so once things kind of settled down in our lives, I found it as a natural transition. I would have a lot of first time therapy rookies, I guess you would say, mm-hmm. coming in. And a lot of men that were referred to me, otherwise maybe they found me. And a lot of them would come with, okay, I'm either a new dad or my partner is pregnant or we're thinking about adopting and I'm having problems in my relationship. That's usually like the first part. And so it kind of naturally fell into that just through my own experience. But then, you know, knowing that, hey, there's other people who deal with that is is really helpful, I think, to both clients and, and myself. When I started working with folks, it was like, okay, I'm not the only one who's dealing with this. Um, Absolutely. We got to figure out a way to, to do it. So it was more out of like a happenstance, but I do really genuinely enjoy it. It's probably one of some of my favorite folks to work with. Yeah. And as you were speaking about, there is a need there. A lot of the the theories and the research <laughs> and the literature focuses a lot on the mother, which is also important, but I'm glad that you're filling in that gap and helping fathers. Just briefly, because we went more in depth on this last time, but briefly, mm-hmm. what are some of the challenges that you see your clients come to you with? Well, it's, it's a couple of different things. I think the big one is just a huge life transition. And, and I think culturally, a lot of men are in, there's like a somewhat state of denial of like what is actually going to happen when you have this baby, because mm-hmm. there's 
it's almost like a binary thinking. There's the people who go, oh, it's such a blessing. And then there's the people who say, your life is over. And there's nothing <laughs> in between. And I, I think one of the biggest challenges is what they're bringing to the table versus what reality is, if it's on either one of those spectrums. Because to be honest, a lot of the time, it's, it's either the denial um, of what's going on or like, one of those two the the oh my my life is over or everything's going to be incredible and easy and i'll just be able to work full time and you know again kind of going to the denial part and so we help to gently i think that's one of the big things is being gentle about it it is a process mm -hmm. help them get in touch with the reality of what's going on yeah so you really yeah. help set expectations that guide them through the transition of not this yeah. black and white thinking, but something more in the middle of this is going to be a blessing and also really difficult at the same time. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. It's good. Well, help us understand. We'll, we'll start at the beginning and kind of go through the middle of therapy and then how you wrap up. So at the beginning, help us understand how you welcome your clients into the therapy process. You have a formal assessment. How do you figure out where you want to start with your clients? Sure, sure. So when I first started as a therapist, I was using all the formal assessments, you know. <laughs> I, I still do occasionally, but most of the time when people come in the door, I try to keep it as personable as possible. It's a fine line where you're trying to normalize everything. And, and I, I had a really wonderful supervisor, one of my supervisors, and she kind of quoted it as saying, you bring a bit of masculine energy in the room, but it's not toxic. There's just, you're like a dude that does therapy. Yeah. And I'm trying to roll with that as a theme when they come in and I'll say, Hey, you're, you're coming to me with an issue. And I, I was, we were talking about physical therapy earlier and I, I got a lot of influence on physical therapy where they, I'll even explain it in physical terms because a lot of guys, they've been to physical therapy, but not, not any kind of counseling. So right. say if you came in to me and you, I was a physical therapist, you hurt your knee, we're going to see your range of motion. We're going to see how you walk. We're going to address your knee. There might be other stuff going on, but we're going to address the knee, just like they're coming into me for a particular issue. Let's address that and figure out how long it's been going on, you know, symptom frequency, duration, intensity, all that good stuff. But I just don't put it in those terms right off the bat. Right, um, right. It's a yeah, great analogy, it, though. Yeah. Yeah. And so we address the, the issue as you're coming in, what's going on in the present, take a look at your symptoms. And in essence, I tell them, I say, listen, you're the conversation captain. You steer this ship where you want it to go. And I'm like the first mate. I'm going to ask some questions along the line, you know, ask for some clarification. But really, I tell them, the better I get to know you, the more I can help. Right. But sometimes I'll appear a little passive in the beginning, but it'll get more active. Like you're going to have a teammate in this. And that's the biggest thing that I think helps them is knowing, hey, what I'm dealing with, we we can work with that. Yes. I love yeah. that approach. And I feel like they, that's very normalizing, right? Of, you know, we, we all have bodies that break down in different ways and we all have mental health that breaks down in different ways. And so to just normalize yeah. that and say, Hey, you know, we're going to work on what it is you want to work on. Uh -huh. I think that's, that's a wonderful way to normalize their, their coming in and their concerns. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I tend to check in too, as we go through that first session as well, 
you know, how you feel and where you're at. Cause you know, some people word vomit and then they feel super vulnerable. Right. And I've had men that said like, I think I'm going to throw up. And I said, Hey, if you gotta go throw up, that's okay. Uh, yeah. It's understandable. I've heard that referred to as a yeah. vulnerability hangover where the next day you're just yeah. like, what, what have I done? <laughs> you mm -hmm. get very awkward. Yeah. 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 We talk a little bit about that towards the end of the first session too. So you might right. be feeling a little raw next few days, just put it like physical therapy. It's like, you know, I went to go see my, my physical therapist the other day, my back is sore today. I know it's right. not forever, but right it's now a good it sore. It needs to be sore. Right. Yeah, that's great. You, you explain it. that and set the mm -hmm. expectations. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. Do you have a particular therapeutic approach that you use, or even just a way that you conceptualize how you're thinking about your clients? Sure. Yeah. Actually, when I mentioned one supervisor, that was one of my, she was a psychiatrist. And then my other supervisor was a cognitive therapist. Okay. And he was based mostly in mindfulness, cognitive behavioral therapy. And I, I found that as as an intro like a user-friendly version to help people get acquainted with therapy and for for me using that cognitive model is helpful off the bat just because there's so many and when we talk about like coaching it's almost like a style of martial arts mm -hmm. when it's like addressing like boxing like you're throwing a jab or a cross it's like you have your thoughts your feelings and your behaviors and it's an easy intro to therapy and so i yes. generally take that that more of a mindfulness cognitive approach off the bat to conceptualize but as we do that for me i i won't talk about this initially but i'll ask a little bit of family board and stuff too mm -hmm. um because the attachment theory is combined with that cognitive theory where it's saying like here's where i got it from is really empowering too just, right. just to know that so it's always floating around later in therapy i usually get more into attachment yeah those are good always yeah up in the good air. combination i use i use a lot of that combination too because cbt mm -hmm. addresses the practical concerns right away but it's like physical therapy you want to know well how did i tweak my knee like is it the way i'm standing mm -hmm. is it the way i'm walking and so i think of the attachment part as looking deeper at how can you maintain these changes that we just made by understanding where they came mm -hmm. from and how to catch yeah. them in the future. So that's a really good combination you've got. Sure. The, the, uh, just to add on the last part, because usually, especially with fatherhood, most of the time they're still with their partner or they're at least having to remain civil with their partner to have some semblance of order, I guess you would say. <laughs> and that's what I use to conceptualize a lot of Sue Johnson's emotion-focused couples therapy. She's great. Um, yeah. 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 Just with the attachment stuff, just understanding like their dynamic, like how they speak to each other mm -hmm. and using like her demon dialogues, how that manifests. It's just my ability or I think any clinician's ability to help you categorize, you know, nobody likes being put in a box, but at least it gives you some way of saying, okay, this is how I would treat this. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you help with the thoughts, changing the expectations, changing the cognitions around yeah. what's going on 
and then look Mm -hmm. deeper at where did this come from to equip them to move forward. But yeah, I love that you're bringing in that couple piece because as you were mentioning, a lot of the clients that come in for you, it's because of relational concerns. So EFT is really great at addressing that. Are there any other strategies? I mean, those are wonderful. I just want to make sure we get a thorough perspective. Are there any other strategies that we haven't talked about that you use? Yeah. So the, the, the other part of that is usually the bottom up approach because that, that mind body connection, but really the beginning with, I got a little bit of acquaintance with Pat Ogden, sensory motor psychotherapy, okay. and just how she would have her clients start to try motor responses to stress. Interesting. And yeah. So when, when I have clients do like a DTR, which is you, the first thing I assign after the first session, I'll say, you know, what are your thoughts on homework? Here's a model for a DTR. And I want you to include your physiological responses. I want okay. you to start just for our listeners, yeah. clarify what a DTR is for our listeners. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I always say this to my clients. I, I say it's a real fancy term called disruptive thought record. Oh, okay, um, okay. But I say, let's just put it as like, when you have a thought, when you're feeling off, and we're not going to play whack-a-mole with this. And I said this even this morning to a client. You know when you're feeling off. Like when you are sitting there across from your spouse and you're like, they're just so annoying. I want you to not <laughs> lash out. Instead of lashing out, let's pull this sheet out. You can throw me under the bus. Like tell them your therapist told you to do it. You pull out the piece of paper and then you write down like time, date, thought exactly verbatim what your emotion. We talk about what emotions are, how one, they're always valid. Two, they're one word answers. And then we go into like, what are you physiologically feeling? Are you hot, mm-hmm. cold? Do you feel tension, shoulders, face? What is it? And rate it if you want to on a scale of one to 10. Like how intense is this? Mm-hmm. And it just, that's the part that's helpful, I think, with giving them some hope. Like, oh, okay, like I don't just have to stay trapped in this, this stress I'm in. I have something I can do now. Yeah. The tools are really empowering. Mm -hmm. Yes. Cause nobody wants to feel that way and nobody wants to lash out at their person. So it sounds like you're equipping them with actual tools they can use to figure out what am I feeling? What's going on? And the body never lies. The body is often our first clue that something is off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's the, that bottom up approach, you know, where we're, we're including it all because it's all connected and you yeah, know, that's a lot of the time I end up sending a lot of my clients to my physical therapist buddy, <laughs> because if they're dealing with anxiety or distress, most likely to deal with physical pain too. So absolutely, they're, they're connected. Nice yeah. yeah, that's very true. That's great. I'm wondering what are some examples of the most common cognitive distortions that you notice in these young fathers? Oh yeah. Okay. So Black and white thinking is a big one, all or nothing. You know, it's either terrible or it's great. Either failing as a father or I'm killing it. Yeah. Or or, uh, like, it's always going to be like this, like your your fortune telling, like my life is Never sleep again. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of fortune telling, a lot of overgeneralization is a a big one too. Like, oh, and over the top exaggeration of what's going on. And then, and sometimes minimization too. Like they'll say like, oh, you know, it's fine. It's fine. My wife told me I have to come in. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's because they shut down. Like they emote, they're always emotionally shut off. Um, Right. Yeah. They do like the, the 
like the stiff arm to everything. Like if there's distress, they just leave. They can't even handle it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So, so whichever angle they're coming from, you're really working to bring them into a softer, more realistic perspective yeah. place. Yeah. Mm-hmm, Do you find absolutely. that fatherhood pulls up deep core beliefs? Do you see common core beliefs from these fathers you're struggling with? Like, I don't yes. know, appreciation or failure or anything mm-hmm. like that? Absolutely. The the deeper core beliefs tend to come out only because I have, I have a colleague I meet with through pure consultation every week. She said, this is not mine, but she gave me a quote of saying, like, when you're stressed, you regress. Mm-hmm. And it was deep wounded core beliefs those negative core beliefs they will they come out to roost you know Mm -hmm. if you if you're running on three to four hours of sleep and then the other part is you mix in both of your families of origin at the same time at the same time so much (laughs) right i could sense the sarcasm there yeah yeah i mean there sometimes they do help but a lot of the times it doesn't feel that way or even in, in the good intention, it can, as yeah. you were mentioning, there's just different dynamics and different communication patterns. So having to yeah. navigate all that when you're sleep deprived can be quite a bit. Oh, absolutely. And so yeah. that, that's a big thing that those, those negative core beliefs come out. I see the more distress, the less they're able to recognize them as just, you know, real core wounds rather right. than, you know, what's actually going on right now. So that's where the DTR can help as well. Cause it just looks like it slows down, take a snapshot of what's going on and then you can communicate. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Is there an app that does that? Do they have to pull out a piece of paper? We should make an app for that. We should make it. I bet you there is one. I tend to give them like a word document that they can open up on their phone. It just looks like, or an Excel oh, document yeah, and it just kind of looks like a spreadsheet. I bet just, you could even do it with your notes app. Just, you know, yeah. go to the bathroom for a minute and be like, what am, what's going on here? And oh, just I journal. Yeah. I, I did that. I did that on a plane the, a couple of weeks ago. You could do it uh, anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, I was sitting with my son screaming in my lap and I definitely did the DTR on the plane because awesome. I needed to. Yeah. yeah, it can strike at any time. I want to go back to the couple's work because I feel like that's an sure. interesting angle we haven't explored as much. So you already mentioned you use EFT with couples. Do you have any other strategies that you notice are helpful or any other framework that you kind of shift to when you're working oh, with a couple unit? Actually, it's a good clarification. I don't work with couples anymore. I use EFT and also a lot of Gottman principles for actually the individual. Oh, I see what you're saying. I thought you meant you bring in the partner and then do a couple of sessions. Usually not with the new dads. Their spouse is usually, you contain this. That's what they're saying to my client. Like, I don't want to devote any more time to you right now. There's a lot of the time when I hear, and that's fine. Like That's the way it should be. It needs to be because when you're a dad, you're the able-bodied in the house. Your spouse, if they just went through childbirth, you know, they've went through a traumatic experience. Now they're not sleeping and they are, if they're breastfeeding, they're keeping another creature alive. It's not um, a great situation to add couples therapy onto it at the moment. Yeah. So they, okay. Yeah. So I tend to say like, hey, I got some couples therapists, really awesome ones that I work with that I love and I really appreciate their work. And they're going to align with a lot of what we'll talk about, like the language you'll hear. Mm-hmm. You'll hear it in couples therapy. You'll have a head start mm-hmm. when you go in there. 
you know, you'll know what a demon dialogue is. You'll know, you know, the four horsemen of the apocalypse for Gottman. Like you're going to yeah. know that stuff. You'll feel a little more equipped going in there. Got it. Um, so it's more yeah. focus on the individual, so a bit more psychoeducation about how to communicate with the partner on their end and, and what's mm-hmm. going on. That type. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. How, so yeah. And how to emotionally engage. Right. That's right. the big one. The dads, I don't mean to generalize, but we, and I'll be frank, like dudes were just brought up trying to fix, 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 and fix, and no emotional engagement. And learning how to emotionally engage, and we do that in therapy sessions on how to do that, that helps. I've seen it help, especially with once their kids get older, how to emotionally engage with them, how to not have to fix their problems, just be there. Yeah, just listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, listen. And, and it's like, what do you need right now? How can I support you right now? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, those are great tools. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. where those, those theoretical approaches come in. Right, right. Mm-hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Are you preparing for a licensure exam in psychology, social work, marriage and family therapy, counseling, or behavioral analysis? AATBS is here to help. We have been supporting behavioral mental health students to prepare for their licensure exams for more than 45 years working with over 1 million students to succeed on test day and move on to the next step in their career. With products ranging from comprehensive courses to quiz banks and delivered live online, self-study online, and in print, AATBS has test prep solutions that meet every student's needs and learning styles. Visit us today at aatbs.com. That's aatbs.com. And use promo code BHT15 to save 15% off your next purchase. So how do you know when your client is ready to graduate? How do you know when the goals have been met? Good question. Yeah, because some folks, like, they don't know. And so when mm-hmm. I start to sense it when we start running out of things to talk about. Okay. There's less and less to talk about, less and less conflict coming up between them and their spouse. And we do periodic check-ins, like how you're feeling about therapy, like where are you at in your process? I'll Mm -hmm. come right out and ask them. And so once we do that, we start looking at, okay, you know what? If you are feeling a little better, how would you feel going down to bi-weekly? Mm-hmm. And some folks say like, okay, yeah. Most say, yeah, let's, let's try it. I say, if you need me in between, just call. Don't feel like you have to wait two weeks. We'll figure out a time to squeeze you in. But as therapy starts to wind down, we go to bi-weekly. We'll continue to revisit. Like, where do you think you're at in the process? Like, as far as your goals go, like, do you think you've accomplished them? And what I reassure them too is that, hey, there, like I give you the tools and we work together to get you the tools so you can work on a lot of this stuff on your own. But as we were talking about physical therapy earlier, like I was talking about my back and my own physical therapist, I have a lot of tools when it comes to working with my back because I've had issues over the years. And I went in to see him and he goes, you threw the kitchen sink at your back Uh and now you're coming to see me. 
And no, the kitchen sink was good. He was like, no, that is good. And I take the same approach. Like you're throwing all your cognitive tools at the problem. Like let's say mm. we've terminated. You threw all your cognitive tools at the problem. And you're still running into an issue. Then you come to see the guy who got, or woman who got the degree in it. Right, you know, right. That's what we do for a living. We're here to help you. Yeah. And so that's how I kind of treat it towards the end. I say, hey, if you use all the tools and nothing's working, give me a call. Yeah. I'm here. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a good framework. Cause we, we do that all the time, right? You get a cold. It's like, okay, maybe I'll be fine. But then it turns into something else. Then you go, you go get some help. So same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's funny. I think of ending therapy as the opposite of learning to ride a bike because normally <laughs> you start slow and you have training wheels and then you just go faster. But with therapy, you, you go in, you know, guns a blazing, let's get started yes. once a week, sometimes twice a week. And then it's the mm. opposite as you, as you make progress, people can come less frequently and kind of try out how do I feel with less support? Do I feel okay mm -hmm. with this? And then kind of wrap up when they feel empowered to be okay yeah. on their own. Yeah, that's great. Definitely. Do you have yeah. any rituals or routines around ending therapy? Like maybe something you do special for the last session? Um, some people don't, but I just wondered if you had any unique way that you like to end with your clients. What's interesting. I haven't thought about it too much, but ultimately like what we were talking about earlier with briefing them on like a lot of relapse prevention and yes. reminders, a lot of confidence building. And yeah. Like, let's take a look at like where you were, where you're, where you're at now and just know it's a resource that's there for you. And, and that's a lot of the way we start to end the process, unless they're moving out of state then we look to, to, they'll say, okay, well, if I do need someone out of state, what would I look for? And I say, here's what you look for when you're looking on, let's say, good therapy. Right. These are the check boxes you would look for that would do something if you're wanting a similar approach to what we've done. Right, right. And so we kind of arm the client with the skills to not only prevent relapse, but then also like, if they can't come see you, how to look again for someone else. Because I tend to be, towards the middle and end of therapy, I'm really transparent about what I'm doing yeah, and what we're doing in there. I'll, I'll use the jargon. It's fine. Like I'll show, I said, listen, I'm going to read you a script straight from a book right now. <laughs> Here, here's the book. Right, um, right. Because I think, it, I think it's actually extremely helpful for them to see a little bit behind the curtain too at times. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this big mystery. You can explain what you're thinking yeah. and why this intervention works. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I've noticed that too. Cause it, like when you go to a medical doctor, that's what they do. They say, okay, according to our research, this is the right medication for you. Or according to our research, mm -hmm. this is why this will work. And, but sometimes there's this mystery aura around therapy. I'm not, not yeah. to share the conceptualization behind what they're doing. So I bet, yeah. I bet your clients appreciate that because it's empowering. It, it's sort of more of a partnership in that way. Definitely. Yeah. It's like we're, we're figuring it out together. Yeah. It's almost that like athletic coach mentality where when I used to work with the MMA fighters, this was way, way back. I really wasn't someone who would teach you from scratch what to do. I was a person you came to see for a specific reason, like, oh, you needed help doing this. And so I don't need to teach you how to punch. You've been doing that for years. And so that, that idea of just expanding on your skills is really helpful. And I think it builds confidence in 
the clients too. It's like, hey, I'm going to look something up because I'm seeing this coming up. Right, right. And yeah, I've almost found that helpful even like you said, going to a medical doctor when they go on the computer and they look up like which antibiotic or allergy thing they have to give you. And they're like, well, here's the evidence. This is what UCLA research says. Okay, perfect. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I'll take yeah. it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I didn't know you used to work with MA fighters. I feel like we might need to do a spinoff podcast just on that <laughs> interesting topic. But this was a long time ago. Yeah. Okay, fair I enough. To, I used to compete uh long about 20 years ago. This is like before it blew up. Like right about when it blew up, to be honest. Um, so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to bring it back to our topic today, sure. I, I did like how you mentioned that you kind of plant the seed that people can come back to therapy because yeah. I think I just want to em- emphasize for our listeners who maybe aren't in the field that it's actually very normal for people to pop in and pop out of therapy throughout their lifespan. You know, there's sure. seasons of life where things are going okay and they they got all the tools mm-hmm. they need. And then there's definitely seasons where life kind of hits you over the head and you don't know what's going on, or you just need a checkup or something. So I like that you yeah. explain to your, your clients, okay, here's how you could find somebody if I wasn't available or you moved. Yeah. I think that's really empowering too. Yeah, definitely. Well, is there any kind of catch all general advice that you would want to leave with anyone who might be a father to be soon or struggling with fatherhood? What kind of hope would you give our listeners if they're in that situation? Well, I would say it's like, seek the support. I mean, the hope is that you're not going to be alone in this, but you will be if you choose to be. Mm. There's plenty of therapists out there. I'm not the only one. But if you don't have access to a therapist or it's not your game, the big one is seek support from other people you can trust. There's a really funny SNL skit that popped up. It was a client who recommended I watch it. And then I actually shared it with a few different clients. It was called Man Park. Okay. I don't know if you've ever, I would say, I haven't seen that Google one. it after you're done. Okay. Um, and it's about men in relationships that don't have friends. And so they bombard mm-hmm. their partner with it. And it's, it's very funny. But it also popped up on a few different therapists' Facebook groups. And they said, this is really funny, but also a serious issue. Talk to other dads. Other dads. Make sure that the dads you're talking to are like-minded with you, not the ones that are going to tell you, oh, your life is over or wait till it happens to you. And also not on the other end, like every day is a blessing. Like don't go with that dad either. <laughs> That's a dad's uh, going to yeah. break down one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have two, you know, I would say like three dad friends that I talk with regularly through text. And I mean, our text message, I mean, they're hilarious. It, it's just because we can vent to each other mm-hmm. and just, I mean, I'll show them to my wife sometimes. She'll start laughing and say, oh mm-hmm. man, I'm so sorry. But just having that support is a big deal to know you're not in it alone and isolated with this stuff. Because I think that's where a lot of fathers, no matter what, they get really isolated with it and they won't talk to anybody about it. They think they just have to handle it. No, you do not have to just handle it alone. Right, Um, right. You can't, you can't. You need, you need, your wiring is necessitating people around you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it takes so much courage. Just the reaching out might be the hardest part, but once you reach out, then the hardest part's over and you've got that support. And yeah, um, yeah, I love that you're encouraging that because it can be so isolating. And especially I think 
in our culture, at least men are not taught or trained to share their emotions very much or Mm -hmm. reach out very much. And so it can feel very risky, but if, if not, then when would you need help? You know, it's, it's a good time to do it. So I'm I'm glad you're encouraging them to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a big one. Cause once you're doing that, at least you're, and this is the big one, you're taking a lot of it off of your partner's plate Mm. and that's a lifelong thing that would need to happen to sustain your relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't take on everything that you have, especially in this day and age with COVID and you're working from home, you're not in the office. I'm in that boat too. Like I have to get out of the house to seek talking with other people or right. my, my wife will know and you know, she'll, she'll say, you didn't, you didn't talk to anybody today, did you? <laughs> so right, um, right. I, re- I recommend it, especially fathers to be support, support, support. Yeah. And that, yeah. I like how you mentioned that could be friends. It could be reaching out to a therapist. It could be community or church group or something it could be you got it. in any way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Just making sure that like the, this is the big one. And I talk about this with like finding friends or finding a partner, your personalities need to mesh. You don't have to be into the same stuff. It's just your personalities want to be a good match. Mm -hmm. It's good. Well, we're coming towards the end of our time today. Rob, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about your private practice and your website and where they can learn more about you? Sure thing. So my website People can easily access that. It's just my name. It's robfeiner.com. So R-O-B-F-E-I-N-E-R.com. I don't have really much of a social media presence. I know I have a Facebook page, but there's not much on there because I'm not very good at it, self-admittedly. With my website, there'll be some resources on there where in the workshops and appearances where I have some notes from certain workshops I've done uh, this podcast is actually linked there. A couple other podcasts that I was on are on there, along with links actually in there too to certain physical therapy endorsements that I have as far as who I would recommend to go see. There's a bunch on there. And then also a bit about me, my background, just so you can get better acquainted, see if it might be a good match for you. And last time we spoke, you mentioned some really good books. Do you have any book recommendations for fathers? Oh, um, yeah. Anything that you would recommend during this phase of life? I got them right over there. So there's, I, I was recommend first, like, I guess in the order of things, like Pacify Me is really good by Chris Mancini. Really good intro to fatherhood. And these books, I always say, like, don't feel like you have to consume it all at once. It's a process. A mm, little bit um, of time. Yeah, because it's going to take nine months for a pregnancy. He's going into, like, child rearing. So, so that's, that's a really good one and intro one. I really like how to not hate your husband after having kids <laughs> by Jancy Dunn. And that's when you want to like, make sure either you're reading with a spouse or you're reading with like a therapist and you're referencing it. I really love that book. At the same time, it can freak a lot of people out, but it's not like the every day. It's just kind of giving you some insight. For worst case scenario, about. how to be prepared. Yeah, how to how to talk about stuff and how, what to expect to realistically ground yourself in being bad, I, okay. I think. And also to see the world through your partner's eyes. And then the last one is Hold Me Tight. I always love Hold Me Tight by Dr. Sue Johnson. That, She's great. Was, yeah, I love anything by that her. That was awesome. That's, good. That's great. 
Well, thanks for sharing all that. I feel like oh, I have absolutely. a good sense now of how, if I were a client, how, how it would go in your practice. So thanks for sharing all of that. Absolutely. I know that you're impacting so many families, you know, by working with the dad. So thank you for the good work that you do. And thanks for having me on. Of course. We're happy to have you back. I really appreciate you being here with us today again. And I want to remind our listeners that this episode, its resources, and all of our other shows can be found on our webpage at triadhq.com slash BHT. You can visit triadhq.com slash BHT today and explore the archive. And finally, we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining in on the conversation. We appreciate you being here with us and look forward to having you back with us next time on Behavioral Health Today. We appreciate all the support from our community. And if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, all rights reserved.